Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build a Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build a Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Don't miss the Contractors Coalition Summit. You can go to ContractorsCoalitionSummit.com and join us in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th. This is going to be an incredible event. Again, for all of you builders and designers looking to take your business to the next level to learn about all things, systems, organization, pricing, social media, marketing, how to be a better business owner, all the things that we wish we knew as early business owners many years ago. We're going to speak about that. Also give you a Dropbox with all the content, including contracts and other documents that we're using, as well as KPIs, key performance indicators. So don't miss it. It's a huge opportunity. Some amazing vendors will be there as well that you can network with. So again, Wednesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 19th, 2024 in Minneapolis, go to contractorscoalitionsummit.com. We understand that mistakes happen. And in our industry, you can fix those. This got painted the wrong color, or this got cut, or this got poured wrong. I mean, let's let's just fix it. I mean, this isn't like dire stuff. We go straight to the client. Let's let's just solve this. Let's deal with it. Because the way I'm wired, I won't be able to sleep until uh, it's done anyway. So welcome to the podcast. We have some special guests today, Brian and Daniel with Clifton Threadgill Homes. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So it's, it's always unique when we have partnerships on here. And maybe we start there. I know you and I connected a former guest, you know, Bill Sims came on, said nothing but high praises, you know, saying your praises on the episode and even offline many times. And so for those listening, you could go back and listen to that episode. And so I'm like, well, we better get Brian and Daniel on. Let's, let's figure out their secret. But maybe we start with the partnership. I think most people always challenged with the partnership side. How did that come to be? I know both of you have extensive experience in construction and now here you are, you know, four years later as a partnership. Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a great question. Thanks for the opportunity having us on. And, uh, I think it, uh, both of us and I'll, I'll let Daniel kind of speak to, to his background, but got out of graduated from Clemson university and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, my father and some other people said, well, if you don't know, jumping into banking is not going to be a bad Thing. You're going to contact, you're going to meet a lot of people and uh, give you some opportunities to explore what your interests are. So I did that for a short period of time, realized quickly that the, the weekly quotas and the coat and tie was not my thing and I needed to be outside. And father-in-law had a, a building business and offered me the opportunity to come on board and did that. That was probably 1999, 2000. Really enjoyed that and did it for several years. He, he retired and and got out of it and set up my own shop and did that for several years here and always been here in Columbia. And uh, I guess it was probably in 2017, 2018, Daniel and I, through uh, relationships at church, uh, families and everything kind of being together, we just kind of started talking. I'll let you talk. He, he can talk a little bit about his background, but we get, kind of just saw we had some areas of overlap. It was just really kind of cool. Uh, being alone for so long by myself, you know, there's that hesitation, like, you know, is, are you going to mess this thing up? Is it, are we, are we the right fit? So I think we had lunch and we talked about it for months, probably a year and a half. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was back and forth. Is, is this a good thing? So, uh, Daniel's outfit that he had, I actually hired him and his crew to, to help on a big project. And that was kind of the, the thing to kind of be the test, right? You could separate easily if it doesn't work out, but, uh, we just had a blast. It, it was so fun working together. Uh, the, the strengths and weaknesses that we both bring to the table, we were like, man, th this is a, this is a match made in heaven. We got to get after it. And, uh, in 2019, um, kind of did the deal and, and 
partnered up and the rest has kind of been history. It's been fun. Yeah. And, and my, uh, my background is, is a lot in the, in the trades. I've, I've built custom homes in different parts of the country. I uh, grew up in Alabama, uh, but have built, uh, in Florida and Mississippi, uh, Colorado, and, um, have done even, uh, had companies that did, uh, subcontracting work and commercial as well. So, um, pull experience from a lot of different, uh, a lot of different trades, a lot of different areas. So, um, not, not stuck in the box of, of what, uh, a lot of people, you know, how they, how they look at things and how they think. So, uh, when, when I moved here about eight, nine years ago, um, started a, uh, a higher end, um, remodel company. We're doing, uh, kitchens, bathrooms and stuff like that. Brought on some guys, uh, really, train them up to, uh, to the craftsmanship level that, uh, that, that I'm passionate about. And, um, and then through, you know, through our relationships, we, we got together, people would always call me and say, Hey, I want to build a house. And so well, I'm not really, I don't have the sub base. I can't, I can't build a house. I don't, you know, I don't even have a time for you guys. Um, <laughs> but I, I've got all my, I've got all my craftsmen that, that can, I mean, we can build cabinets and we can do interior fetish house stuff, but I can't do that. So, and, and, same flip side with broad. I mean, a, a remodel was, was tough to bring, you know, 12 different trades in to do a bathroom. It just doesn't work. Um, and, and so we started talking and, and said, this could be, you know, I've got some in-house guys. We can, we can tackle some of these things that we're looking at. And, um, so like you said, we, we kind of joint ventured on a few projects and, uh, and hit it off. We worked well together. Uh, our personalities, um, we mesh well. We're, we're very different. Um, I don't worry about a thing. He's pretty high strung. So <laughs> we, we balance each other out. And, um, and so that it's been, it's been great. And, and the, the trust factor factor too, mm. but before I got in into this, um, I can't tell, tell you how many people said Brian is, is the guy with the most integrity I've ever met. And, and so that was one of the things I was like, I don't, I don't even have to worry about, um, worry about anything with, with Braun. So it's been, it's been good. Well, that's a, a pretty nice compliment with the integrity side. And I, you know, from the benefit of, you know, the trial run you both had, and then, you know, kind of overlap and do some JV stuff. Even then knowing, okay, we're going to go into partnerships together. And now we're going to take both of our skill sets, put these together, make this great company. What did that look like from an operational side to figure out, okay, not only, without getting into numbers, but the salary side, you know, ownership side, capital, if you have to bring it in, um, how does it work with decision-making, right? Tough decisions, you know, business development, scope of work, who's, you know, speak to, did you have it all figured out day one? How's that evolved? I mean, what does that look like from just the, we're in business together. We got to figure this out from an operational side. Yeah, I think that's a good, great. And, and I don't know kind of how you're, <laughs> how you're wired from a day to day and, and your personality, I, I'm kind of a, what an ENTJ, I guess on, on the Briggs Meyer. So, you know, I'm that commander level. I, I'm see problems. I'm going to tackle problems. I want to fix problems. As Daniel said, I'm, you know, he's the one that's got to real be back in. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. We're, we're going to be all right. But, uh, just kind of when, when I hit the job site, you know, uh, and, and we can kind of talk a little bit about kind of how we deal with our, our trades and, um, how we, value them but i want to have a solution to what we were running into and the thing i think i picked up on daniel real quick was he was okay with me in that role i think if you've got two people coming in that are gifted and have experience and they both want to be in charge i think you're going to have you're going to have some head knocking so i value uh daniel immensely i think everybody on the job site knows that he's he's my right hand and uh, we work 50 50 yin yang on everything but um at the end of the day, he's he's cool with kind of taking that back seat when we get into a discussion, whether it's with a client or you know with an inspector or with trades on on the job. So I think that was probably key. And then with Daniel moving around and me having kind of a base here, uh, you know, I, I haven't just built, so I've taken a lot of pride in, in building relationships. You know, serving on um, the planning commission here in the county, uh, just being very involved in the community in different aspects of of our industry and trade. Uh, the local HBA or the BIA, uh, very involved there. And so bringing all that relationship and all that stuff, Daniel coming alongside and realizing that uh, he's really just complimented and just added 
a lot of value with his expertise to what we do. And it, it just hasn't really been a, an issue of us trying to one up one another, I guess, is has been the healthiest thing. Yeah. If he, if he's the president, I'm, I'm like the chief of staff in the background, you know, uh, given all, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, um, but, but to that, he, he never makes any decisions that are, that have any weight without running it by me. So I, I would never feel like, um, that I'm, you know, kind of playing second fiddle. So, uh, I mean, it works great. Uh, the, the trust and the, um, just mutual respect, I think is, is key. Now, like with any, even a good marriage, you know, people that get along, there's always going to be maybe points of contention or difference of opinion. Any discrepancies that you've had over the past four years where maybe there's a different direction on projects to take on or leadership, you know, how are you going to manage employees or who to hire? You know, how have you worked through those? Probably one of the the biggest things is, uh, you know, both of us are, uh, rely heavily on our, on our faith and we've, we've got a good framework there. Actually, I think I mentioned we, we met at church. And so, uh, at the end of the day, man, life's short. Uh, we don't, we don't take anything home from here and take it home to our families. We try to address all of our challenges or issue right here. And he's pretty, we, we just got a real open relationship. So if it's sideways, I mean, I think silence and trying to think, let things fester is where things get sideways. We just don't, we just don't put up with it. And, uh, we like to have a unified front. And the, and the cool thing is, subs know that they're not going to be like, well, you know, I'm going to go to the, go to this parent and, and get what I want. They know that if, if, if one of us says it, it's, it's locked down, it isn't going to change. So, um, that's, <laughs> that, that's been helpful too. Yeah. And, and I mean, really, I mean, it, we get along so well personally that, um, I, I can't even think of a time that we've ever like had a disagreement. I mean, it's, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I, I think one thing you, you brought up is like what projects to take on. I, I'm, I'm a little more, yeah, whatever, let's do it. It's, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll like figure it out. We'll make it work. And, and he's more, let, well, let's rail that in a little bit. So, I mean, but th- through some discussion, I mean, it, it, that's all just worked out and we figured out, move forward and, you know, unified. So, so I, it sounds like it's been all pros, you know, to the partnership. Um, Looking at it now, I'd imagine you do the same thing again, of course, partner up because you see the benefits. What are maybe some of the other pros? Does it alleviate stress? Uh, you mentioned you're kind of a good balance for each other. How does that work? Just having someone, you know, like a sole entrepreneur such as myself, right? A lot of times you're on an island because you don't want to speak with any employees about stuff that's going on because you don't want to stress them out or demotivate them. And so in essence, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs I speak with you on an island. How does that benefit you from the partnership? Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I, this this job, as you can attest, and and most of your, if not all your listeners, I mean, it, it is a high stressful job, and it can be on an island. And you know, the that's the thing of being able to to bounce stuff off and and to kind of unload on him and and not take it home at night is is the right thing to do. And and when we run into a problem or we we come into a you know, uh, as our electrician reminds us, reminds us, there's no problems, there's opportunities for solutions. So every time we have an opportunity for a solution. We, uh, we can tackle this thing together and we are quick to come up with, uh, with a solution typically and, uh, just kind of move on down the road. Yeah. And both of us, um, have been, um, solo entrepreneurs, you know, for um, both of us, 20, 20 years that we've run companies by ourselves. And so, um, knowing the stresses of that, um, we value what having a partner brings and, um, I mean, just the simple things of, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to run and take a long weekend with the family and not have to worry about anything. It's like, oh, well, you know, Brian's got it. So um, I think it's, it's been, it's been great. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, something that's always tough is trying to figure out, okay, the system side, because you have both, you've kind of working, you have your experience. And I think what's unique about your process and company is when I had Bill on, he, he, continue to go back to speak about, well, you know, for Brian Clifton and Daniel Threadgill, they have this amazing system and communication. How does that play a role when you're building a house, that customer experience, what does that look like to have someone who's such an advocate for you in the firm? Well, I, I think it's huge. And I, and I think kind of even to what Bill alluded to, and we're always refining and that's why it's been awesome to be able to, you know, listen to, you know, podcasts from, 
someone like yourself and, and we continue to soak up knowledge uh, going to conferences and, and just learning from uh, whether, whether it's from Rising or whoever of, of how we can continue to do things better. One of the biggest things that we did as we've continued to make this mindset and we can kind of talk a little bit about maybe in a few minutes about our market, but we, uh, we wanted to be uh, the, the top end of custom building and the top end of our trade, not just from the from a price standpoint, but from a, a quality and an expectation. And we solely up to this point have worked on referrals. So if, if I don't have a past client that's referred and I can't call that client and say, I just got this name, is it legit? I mean, that's just kind of how we've been our, our mode of operation and it's worked extremely well. Uh, that speaks volumes, but if, if you mess that up, you, you can get yourself into some trouble pretty quick. But one of the things Daniel uh, alluded to when we got together and kind of recommended is we, we put in heavily a pre-construction process. And so when we start meeting with clients, we tell everybody, you know, this is kind of a first date. We want to see whether we're compatible. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of builders out there and there's a lot of clients. And if we're not the right one, we want to give you information so you can make the best decision for you and your family. And, and after that, and then going in, we, we design in-house, uh, do a lot of our own house plans in-house in and then uh, price them out. We give them a package and that's kind of like the next phase. So here are your plans. They're permit ready. This is the pricing. This is your, your package to go to the next step. Do you want to go to contract or do we want to just shake hands and, and, you know, you go about your way, you know, to date that's, that's never happened, which is, which is a blessing. But, um, I think it's just making sure we're defining things with great detail up front. I mean, you know, if we tell people, I, I'd rather take four to six months in that design, in that pre-construction phase, just figuring out whether we're a good fit versus hurrying and getting to contract and, and starting a build. And then we're like, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? Well, I noticed even on your website, it's like meet, design, build. And you mentioned that pre-com process. I, I think that's unique in the sense, not so much the pre-com process, but you mentioned that pretty much they're all referrals. I mean, you made this comment and many builders and many of us in any field are trying to figure out their ideal client and how do you market to them? And then how do you vet them? And it's the interview, right? And you're trying to get to this common ground. How uh, definition of success? I mean, how have you got to a point where in such a quick amount of time you're operating and maybe this is part of your market too, Brian and Daniel to speak about their South Carolina, but how have you gotten to a point where you do have amazing projects that are referral because sometimes you may keep a client super happy, best friends, you do this amazing custom build, they're friends building, but maybe they're just doing a small renovation that may not be your scope of work. So how have you essentially defined this amazing pre-con process and relationship with your clients to have the ideal client through, refer through referral? Yeah, I, I would say it's been years because, I mean, while we've been together for three or four years, uh, I would say it just goes back to being in the community, investing in the community, doing life in the community, uh, not being just about being a great builder, but being a, a great uh, everything, you know, citizen, um, great team player as far as with the organizations that we're both a part of. And so I, I think a lot of that alludes to it. And then when, when you build a good house and you've got that recognition and we do things the right way and they're at a cocktail party and it's like, man, you know, you know, kind of like Bill alluded to you, I mean, Kylie, Pete, it was the, it was the worst thing ever. And Bill's like, dude, we had, we had a blast. It was like the best thing ever. I mean, Daniel and I love what we do. I'm sure you love what you do too. So it's like, if we love our job, how do we let that spill over to our clients to where they can appreciate and love the process uh, as much as we do? And at the end of the day, it's, you know, they just can uh, relay that better than we can. Uh, we're not having to sell ourselves. They're, they're just kind of putting it out there. And then when we get the opportunity, we just see if we're a good fit. Yeah. And then, and then um, from a delivery standpoint, I mean, we, we just try to deliver excellence in everything that we do. I mean, from the, from the first phone call to handing over the keys at the end and the final walk, I mean, it um, just... I mean, the, the details, um, communication's huge. Uh, we try to over-communicate, uh, manage expectations from the beginning so that there's no, you know, no letdowns, no unforeseen things that come up. And I mean, we found that if people, people know what's coming and they know what to expect, then, um, I mean, they, they stay pretty happy. And, and this is something that from my side, I feel has been more of a push now is that our goal with every project, and, and you mentioned this, Daniels, that 
when people know what to expect, right? Essentially in the driver's seat, like I'm really big that I always teach our team we need to always be playing offense, right? That when you get in a defensive position and essentially you're countered, and what I mean by that is like, anyone understands this analogy that if the client's saying, okay, Brian Daniel, what's next? Why isn't so-and-so on site today, right? Why did this not happen? Where's this? When they feel they have to micromanage you and you're in defense mode because you're just trying to define, d defend the position, you haven't done a really good job playing offense saying, presenting the information, whether it be the schedule or the update and, you know, weekly videos like we do. And so one thing that I've come around on is that I've, I've seen that, um, by giving the client the schedule, our benefit will one, okay, there's something we have to live to as an organization, right? We have to keep the schedule. They're going to be tracking it. That's really important. But when the client comes in and wants to make a big change, it's easy to say, here's how it's going to be impacted. You make this change. Here's the cause and effect. The problem is with most builders, you go through all these changes and by the end it's delayed and you haven't communicated why you're delayed. And then it's this finger pointing game. And how do you prove that the client delayed it? And, you know, all these different aspects. But if you have the schedule there and then it pushes out, client can make that executive decision where I want to be. So from your definition, Daniel, how's that been just a transparency from you and clients that say, this is our process. Here's how you give them essentially the, the yeah. good look ahead of what's happening. Yeah. So, um, uh, I believe you uh, you use builder trend as well we uh, we've been we've been on builder trend for as four four plus years now and um initially uh we're not using it to its full potential um when we first got together we we were so busy i mean we, it just blew up and just dealing with the day-to-day -day tyranny of the urgent um and so like you mentioned we were in almost defense defense mode not not as much with the client but it with the um just with the management process of of you know subs and and just it was coming in in the morning looking at the whiteboard like all right what do we got to do today um and about a year ago um we just kind of drew the line on the sand and said um if we're going to keep paying for builder trend we probably had to use it and really committed to using it to its full potential. And, um, that's been a game changer. Uh, we've done a ton of training with, you know, with our coach and, um, and now we're using the schedule daily. We're, we're tracking everything. Um, you know, you've got the client portal where they can see where they're at, where their schedule's at, when things, you know, if you've got a weather delay, they see that, um, you know, it, it's, so it's been huge and, and we show, we show clients that in a pre-construction meeting so that they, they have an understanding of what the process is going to look like, what their schedule is going to look like, how they're, you know, how they're going to be able to interact with their client portal. And so, uh, you know, be, being able to, being able to utilize that tool to its fullness has been huge for us because now we can focus on, on business development and, and not as much what fire do we have to put out today. So. And then, um, at, from that aspect, when you mentioned the owner portal, your market, are, are most of your clients primary residents? Are they secondary? I mean, are there unique, you know, attributes about your client demographic where you have to have software like build a trend to help you operate? No, they're, they're all primary. I mean, we, we don't really, um, this market's not really a secondary market. I, I would say that we do have, and we have had some clients that are from out of town. Um, we've got one, uh, one lady that comes to mind and she's kind of in commercial construction. She was in Atlanta. We met, we went through the pre-construction. She knew her stuff and we were like, you know, we'd like to get a playbook before we start to where when you show up the day we hand you your keys, it's exactly what's in your mind. I mean, we've, we've got to get it to that point. I think she visited the job maybe four or five times. Was it? I think yeah, about four or five times. Yeah, four or five. And man, she's, she's been one that, you know, we, we nailed expectations. We got her exactly what she wants. She was very particular. Uh, but she's been one that's really been saying our praises and, and giving us a lot of referrals. And so, uh, from that mindset, you know, we weren't even using builder trend great then, but, uh, that's one where today our life is a whole lot easier because we're using, using builder trend. Like one of the best things builder trend did was go up on their fees recently because it was like, can't, it, yeah. it that <laughs> we're going to have to make this decision. We're going to take this serious or not. And like Daniel said, uh, they, I, we couldn't say enough great things, uh, about our coach and just the time they spent to make sure that, uh, it was a good fit for what we were doing, right? It's not just a, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, it can cater to however you're built and whatever you're doing. And, and that's what we love about it. 
and they have really helped our, our employees and, and ourselves uh, use it to where it is actually a, a tool that's helping us be so much more successful now. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects so for anyone any scale any size they're the ones to call they're here local you know they have an amazing instagram make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing so if you need windows and doors give sammy and adam a call we stand behind pella we love what they do their culture their brand and especially their quality and if you want to learn more about pella windows check our show notes we'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out it's incredible. And I, I think what's amazing is like in four years, I think it's pretty rare to have guests on that have been in business four years and have already done what you've done in, in, in your local market. And I think a common question from just a lot of people I network with, they're, they're always like, how, how do you scale your business? You know, you guys started out, you, you felt that your relationship and values and, you know, religious background, you know, there's commonality, right? To start the partnership. And you mentioned how that's been successful, but as you've scaled your business, you know, obstacles that you've had over the years in scaling, you know, pitfalls that come along the way, you know, we can get into hiring and some other stuff, but specifically, are there any obstacles and pitfalls you've had as you, as you began to scale and grow in revenue and projects and everything that comes with it? I think there's two. I want Daniel to speak to the second one when it comes to the the expectation and the quality that we're trying to hit in our trades and, and the things that we're doing in our detail finish. I think on the front end, our market is just really unique. I think probably 85 to 90% is going to be a, a production type. I'm at the median income. I'm at Columbia uh, is a, is a unique market because we've got uh, Fort Jackson's here, which is one of the largest military training sites on the East coast. If, if not in the country, we've got the state government here, we've got the state university. So like even when recessions and bad times hit, there's just so much, you know, of that, that printed government money, things just continue to sustain. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't say that there's a, uh, there's, a, a full, there's a lot of affluency. And so when, when we're trying to do that, that higher end and, and trying to, to have fun doing what we're doing, you, you kind of kind of limit things, things get limited a little bit. Well, when you've got the average home price at, you know, 300, 310,000 in your market, and it's from a production standpoint, trying to get people who are coming in the door to say, you know, they're doing things for advertising for $110 a square foot. And you're like, not even in the ballpark. <laughs> and, and it's like, trying to explain, there's just a difference. Now there, there's a, there is a market for that. There's a big market, obviously, because it, it's so prolific. I mean, if it's a need. Yeah. It a need and, and so those guys are good. We got good relationships with a lot of them as well. But when we're trying to, to build what we do, it's a difference. Well, at the same time, we've got this, this interesting market where at the production level, there's a lot of superintendents that are like, you know, I'm burned out, so I want to go do it on my own, so I'm going to be a custom home builder. Well, many times what they're doing is they're bringing the same bad practices, they're using the exact same trades, and they're just being able to not give you the, the same seven plans. So a lot of them are growing and doing, but to me, I would call that more semi-custom. So then I've got that market that Daniel and I are trying to uh, differentiate ourselves from when we're meeting with clients. And so we're really trying to be in that that upper echelon of that of 5% of what we can do. There, there's nothing that we try to say that you can bring us that's too out of the box or too challenging. And we'll be up front if, if we don't want to play ball, participate, but we definitely want to give it a shot. So I would say just that's kind of it. COVID has been one of the, there's not many good things that came out of out of that, but what it did do is it's driven so many people to our state. I mean, we're one of the fastest growing states, one of our, our market, you know, obviously the coast. I know you've had a lot of clients on in that Charleston, Daniel Island area, all that, man, that's just kind of crazy money down there. So 
that's growing. But Columbia is Lexington County and all. We're we're being able to reap some of the rewards. But now that we've got people coming from from Boston and New York and and all over the place, they understand what the quality is that Daniel and I want to do. And and money is a difference to them. And so they're bringing stuff now down here that we're able to enjoy and have some fun with. But now that you have signed it up, now you've got to execute. So now we've got this gap when it comes to uh, trade and craftsmanship. And so I'll, I'll let Daniel kind of speak a little bit to how we're trying to tackle that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I mean, we, you know, we try to do everything at, at a different level and, and with a degree of excellence that's uncommon. Um, so with our trades, I mean, when, when we first partnered up, we, we kind of looked at all the, put all the trades up on the board and said, all right, this guy's great. We need to work on this, you know, this trade, this guy's great. Um, and, and through that process over probably the first two years, we've, we've weeded through and, and gotten just fantastic trade partners. Um, a couple of the spots that were just lacking where we couldn't fill those gaps were, um, uh, were trim work, finished trim work. And I had, um, my, uh, my guys that, that came with me, um, are like, well, we'll, we'll just take it on. We'll do, we'll do it. Um, we'll do it with our own guides. And so we started self-performing all our own, uh, interior trim and millwork. And then, uh, same thing with cabinets. Um, and, and we've taken, um, we've taken on all our own cabinet work and do all our own custom cabinets. And, and to the point where, um, we, uh, we've gotten those to the level where, um, we're actually going to start our own, um, starting our own cabinet, uh, company cabinet brand and we're going to start marketing those to other builders um in in the area and, and in the state uh initially um you know that that could go farther um but but initially that's what we're going to start marketing to other builders so um because that I mean, we hear that all across the board that we just we can't find we can't find you know good cabinets we can't find good this and and so um because we're unwilling to to compromise on quality and say well that's the best we could find we just do it ourselves. So, yeah. well, it's, and, and, and let me ask you this, Daniel. I mean, as you're speaking about the trades, and I want to dive into this a little bit. I mean, you know, having your own trim and cabinetry definitely gives you an upper hand for a lot of reasons. But you mentioned that we would evaluate, right? The kind of these issues that we were having problems. What did that evaluation look like? Was this a partnership thing? Was this an employee thing? I mean, feedback comes from all different scenarios, you know, from, you know, how did you come to a decision that certain trades aren't performing and you have, you know, some gaps there? Some of them were a, uh, quality issue of it. You know, we, we saw some things that were, you know, we'd like things to be tighter. We'd like, we'd like more options when it came to mechanicals. We, you, we just, we want to see a, you know, some, from a professionalism standpoint. So some of those, some of those things were pretty easy. Um, you know, other, other stuff is just, yeah, do we have to babysit this person? You know, does this does this person, you know, require me to do his job for him? Uh, you know, and uh, and so and sometimes that was hard because some of those do people do great work. And it's like, well, they do great work, but then it you know it takes me twelve hours a week to make sure they're doing their job. So um, that that was just a balancing act to see what um, you know what made sense with and and finding finding good you know good trade partners to to replace them. Well, and Brian may have said this early on. He may, that I wrote down, he said value trades, right? Do you value your trades? How, how do you value your trades? I mean, how would you answer that question? How you do that? And I think at the core of it, there's still the accountability, like you're speaking of Daniel, where you still have to have a continuous vetting process and autopsy of every job and kind of get them to the next level. So what does that look like from the value side? Man, a lot of it's just uh, we respect the people that work for us uh, for who they are, not for what they provide us is probably the the base and the core. Um, we try to motivate them uh, is, you know, daily. I mean, that's something that you've got to continue to uh, remind them that they're part of the team. Uh, I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, talent wins games and teamwork wins championships. I think it's the way that Michael Jordan put it. And it, it you know, it, it takes a team. I mean, so, you know, Daniel and I are sitting here in the office and, and we've got uh, Steve and Dylan and, and Manny and David out there, some of our core guys that are getting after it on a, on a project today out on the lake and, and the wind's whipping. So we, we appreciate what they do and, 
and what they do for us. And we, we remind them of that often. Uh, I think, you know, even when it was funny listening to, to Bill, when he was on your podcast a few weeks ago, and it was something listening to him. We never had those conversations when we were building this house, which was awesome. But it was kind of one of those uh, affirming things because he does this for a living and he's like, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I'm thinking, listen, I'm like, golly, Pete, we do those things. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, we try not to point out the negatives all the time. I mean, it's, you know, every day try to find something positive to assure them. So when the negatives happen, I think they're more receptive. It, it's it's not like a gum I've disappointed him. It's like, well, how can we do better? Because if, if I'm doing better, if the company's doing better, if the company's doing better, we're growing and they kind of see it from that perspective. Now, it's one thing to do with employees. I think with our subs, uh, as Daniel pointed out, we're just trying to find subs. Uh, one of the key things to me is if, if a subcontractor that we have, that we have a relationship with, if the owner of that particular subcontractor uh, outfit is not on the job site, kind of when things are happening, it, it's a little bit of a red flag to me. Like, I, I don't want to just, all I see is crews all the time and, and I don't see them because I just don't think that they have the buy-in uh, they understand what Daniel and I are trying to do, and because we're trying to be so un, un, you know, so uncommon and so different, um, if if they're not appreciating what we're trying to do, and there's this big, uh, I, I guess, separation or void, then I just don't see how it's going to work. So one of the things that we like to do with our subcontractors is the owners of the company are, are very involved in their own the job site. Whether they have a tool belt on that, that's one thing, but they're definitely uh, a part of what we're doing and. They want us to be successful as well. Uh, I think it's because of our trade, because of our subcontractors and those guys that work for us that that make us who we are. We're actually and we're, and we're nice. I mean, that, it's like <laughs> I mean, it it, it it that sounds so silly to even say that, but it's like we talk it's to valid. guys. No, we talk to guys. They're like, oh, yeah. we're we're so glad to come to your job. I mean, there's jobs we just dread going to because the guy just you know yells at us all the time, and and you know. Why aren't you done? Or, I mean, so just treating people like human beings and just being kind to people, it just goes a long way. I, I would say, the, I think one of the things that, that sets that off is uh, we, a lot of our subs, I'll get phone calls at random times. And these, these men are like, I, I've got this accounting issue. You think you could, or I've, I, you know, I, I'm having this issue at home with my wife or dude, I, I've got this. And so it's like they're wanting to do life. It's not just, you know, I got to get this couple hundred square foot of tile down and we've got this problem. And so I think that's the kind of thing, as Daniel just alluded to, is I mean, we just, we're just nice and we treat them like the men and the women that, uh, that they are and not just as, as labor. Well, it's funny that you both said you're nice because essentially you were just speaking about that it's about people more than product, right? And so I think there's just an understanding that you have at the core of how you communicate with people. And, and, and I've seen this happen in certain aspects of any organization, right? And not to call, call out any organization, but there's certain departments that probably have a little bit less of a human connection, if you will, and a little bit more like black and white. And what you find is that the companies that are really successful understand the human connection, that human part of it that plays a big role and treating people kindly. It's funny because I had a client that we built for, and definitely older generation. And he would always be like, you need to be screaming at these people on these subs like all day long. You know what I'm like, man, I'm just sitting here thinking like from operating our company, like you get so much more when I'm saying, Hey, Brian, Daniel, I'm in a bind. You made a mistake. I need your help. I mean, whatever it is, right. I need your guys' help as opposed to calling you out saying, where are you guys? They haven't been here in four days. Like, you know, there's a lot more camaraderie that happens, you know, when you're able to negotiate and just have, a connection much deeper than just a transaction being handled. Yeah, fully agree. And and the other thing is, I think you know, I, I'm learning. It's it's kind of crazy. You know, uh, Bill Sims is on a call with you, and here and here we are doing a, a podcast with with Brad. <laughs> it's 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 still surreal to us. But it, it, I think it just shows how close and tight knit our industry really is. And so whether it is a sub or a supply uh, supplier or whatever, I mean, it, it it's going to get out there, and it's going to get out there pretty quick too. So. Um, you know, how you conduct yourself and, and how you manage things. And our subs know if, if I get an invoice from you, uh, you give me to the end of the week and I promise you you're going to get paid. It doesn't matter what has to happen. And everybody knows we pay on time and we pay quick. Uh, they know that, as Daniel said, you know, we understand that mistakes happen. And in our industry, you can fix those. Uh, so let's not get sideways. Let's just come up with an opportunity to do it. I mean, if, if, 
this got painted the wrong color or this got cut or this got poured wrong. I mean, let's, let's just fix it. I mean, this isn't like, this is not uh, dire stuff, you know, death type stuff here. It's, it's easily to deal with if we, Hey, you got to hit it head on. We don't, the other thing we don't like to do is that when problems come up, letting them fester. I mean, we go straight to the client. Let's, let's just solve this. Let's deal with it. Or if there's a problem on a job site, let's, let's just get after it and do it. Some of it's because the way I'm wired and I won't be able to sleep until uh, it's done anyway. But uh, the other thing, it's just the right thing to do. And it just makes everything work so much easier. And I, I, I loved what uh, one of your uh, past uh, guests said about being the buffalo. I mean, just, you yeah. know, face, facing the store, running into it, and it just goes so much better. It's so funny because um, that Buffalo thing, and this maybe goes to how we're being spied on from like all these algorithms on social media. But like since since that was said on the podcast, like I've been on like TikTok just being open, and I've heard that saying like three times the Buffalo thing, and I'm like I'd never heard that up to this point. And they're talking about just going head on into the storm before you you know just attacking things. Um, and Brian, you mentioned when it, when I mentioned scaling, you know, on that challenge and you kind of talked about your market and the pricing, how, how have you continued to kind of bridge that and, and fight through that challenge of, you know, when you're dealing with a market that's dominated by low entry, if you will, from a cost perspective, anyone that's in building totally understands the difference of product and not just the process and pricing and, or, or the product you're putting in, I mean, there's a ton of separation factors, right? Of why things cost what they do. You know, how have you kind of bridged that, especially with the clientele you're working with? So it, it, it's been a learning curve and we're continuing to learn. We haven't been perfect on that, but I think that just goes to to show that we, we have to stay dialed in because there is such a smaller amount and a, and a limited uh, pool of folks that are building and, and wanting to, to take a a shot at a builder to to do this so if if you have too many missteps it's going to be costly and also you want to try to get it right the first time and i think that's where it goes to doing the things i mean you know putting things like builder trend into place and putting processes and procedures in place and trying to communicate i mean construction science is such a big thing and we've been on this huge learning curve over the last three years and and watching uh videos and podcasts and doing what we can because you have to be able to articulate very quickly to a client what is it that sets you apart? And it can't just be price. So if we can sit here and say, you know, we're going we're gonna to let you take some liberties with these things. But when it comes to the envelope, let me tell you how we're going to do it. And if you don't want to do it this way, we're just not your builder. But I think they, they quickly will say, all right, they're dialed in and they, they, they know kind of what they're talking about. Um, and so I think it gives some credibility. So I, I don't think you can just do the whole thing of a day of like, you know, here's your plan, here's your spec sheet. I mean, home building is becoming uh, more and more complicated. And I think clients think uh, a lot of times, depending on their level of, of knowledge and how many times they've built, you know, HGTV and, and that whole world has given them uh, some bad information, actually, a lot of time to where they have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations or uh, that things can be done at a, uh, at a quicker or cheaper level or whatever. So it's, it's almost kind of having to retrain and, and do some of those things at the same time. So any secrets you guys have had to the hiring process? So I, I probably are, we've, uh, our last, uh, one was, was good. And it is funny cause he actually, uh, worked on a crew for a very long time and it was just one of those things that he kind of set himself apart and uh, Daniel and I just both kept talking like man it would just it would be awesome if uh <laughs> if he was under our roof and you know, working from the sun steal him away from it so it actually happened to be his his brother but uh yeah <laughs> it was a year ago and uh sat down and, and had breakfast with him and, and just kind of talked through some things and just took it slow and but it was kind of being able to see from afar and now we brought him in house and, and been training him over the last year. And it's just been a huge blessing, a huge asset. So that's been one. And, and you know, we're in the process now of, of kind of what's next. Daniel alluded to the a cabinet shop and, and we're not so naive to think that we can continue to stack things on our plate and continue to do all things because then things are going to start slipping. Uh, so it's, you know, who, who can we get to help us with this need and, and to make it kind of get to the next uh, to the next level. And then even on the building side, uh, of potentially, uh, bringing somebody else in to help. So, so we're looking and that, that is, it's a scary process, but, uh, always, uh, 
looking to kind of see what's out there and who we're already saying, you know, that person has got some unique qualities. I, I wonder if they'd be interested to kind of be a good fit here with us. Yeah, I was just going to ask because maybe Daniel could speak to this because there's a difference between you guys operating as a general contractor, you know, from a management perspective, as well as hiring some skilled trades for the cabinetry and trim department. You know, how does that work? Just the balance between hiring between the two different companies? Well, yeah, I mean, if we're going to um, continue to scale our home building business, um, you know, our next our next level of hires would be in the you know, the project management superintendent side and and that's obviously a different a different skill set a different person than um you know hiring the skilled labor um so i it would just be a um and i actually we don't would say we don't really have a process to do that um i, I would would love to hear your uh your suggestions for that for that process we we've been um, um we've just been fortunate to um i don't want to say run into i mean we, we build relationships with people and, and, and figured out that they've been a good fit for our company and, um, and then bring them on board like that. So, uh, we've never advertised for, Hey, we're hiring. We need this person. Um, it's just been through relationships. So, um, but as we continue to grow and as we continue to scale, I mean, it, it, it's gonna, we're gonna have to, to take that step. And like Rod said, it's kind of, kind of scary to, to re reach out and, and say, Hey, we're gonna have to trust some of you know, let go of some of what we, what we control now and, and, uh, to grow. But I mean, that, that's the, that's part of it. You gotta, you gotta step back and let some of that go to, uh, to continue to grow. It's funny. Cause I've, I've given that a lot of thought too. I mean, one of, as I look how we've scaled and grown over the last, you know, 11 years now. Um, one thing that I didn't realize early on that we've been doing a lot more now is at the core to what you're speaking of, Daniel, same for us, right? It's relationships. You're, you're making contacts, you're meeting people and you never know how those relationships kind of play. And again, partner up like you and Brian did. And, you know, essentially partnerships or hires I've had or people that I've known or communicated and then, Hey, a position opens, there's opportunity. Okay. Let's meet. But even outside of that, as your company does scale and grow, there, there's a limit to your network or bubble or whatever it is. Right. And, and what we found is what we've been doing, especially last year, is we're always interviewing, even if we're not hiring, right? So we're always interviewing. And so people can apply through our website, you know, they reach out through social media and other venues, but resumes are being sent in all the time. And so my director of construction, Spencer's continuously, it seems like every week he's interviewing somebody. But what's happening is, yes, some of these employees need something like immediately. And so may not work, but some have a little bit of time, depending on where they're at, at what stage of life or career. Right. And so we found that, yeah, we've, we've had this like database, if you will, some amazing talent. And then the minute our company's ready from an opportunity or project, or, you know, as we're getting to next level, you're cherry picking, right. To people that we've already built relationships with, we've already interviewed them. They've already essentially passed the eye and culture test and experience tests. And, that's been a huge success is to continually be interviewing all the time, even if we're not hiring. And then from, you know, from your guys' side, business development, you mentioned that your market is a little challenging just with pricing, but you've, you've bridged that, like you've overcome that, that hurdle, if you will, where do your leads come from out? Is it all referrals we kind of talked about earlier, or are you finding any coming from other avenues? Currently, it's been it's been mainly referrals. I would say mainly clients, and then there's a you know an architect or a, a draftsman in town when a certain job pops up, and I think they're wanting to maybe make sure they're pointing into the right direction based on the difficulty of the scale of it. Uh, I know we 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 got one uh, about a year or two years ago. A uh, draftsman sent a client to us, and when he showed up, he's it was a large house, and he just said, uh, you know. Uh, Barry's like, I just, they just said that y'all would be a good fit or something that, uh, that this wouldn't scare you off or whatever. And so it was just kind of, I think that's the reason he sent it to us. And we had a good relationship, have a good relationship with him. And it just kind of the rest was history. So, but I, I most of it does come with, from, from clients. Uh, it's just kind of funny. Like once we kind of get into a circle, uh, they're kind of joking of, you know, who's next, who's next, who's next. And, uh, that's been kind of, kind of fun to watch. And then, and then just, yeah. And then just delivering, I mean, is, is the, is the key there, um, you know, continuing to just to deliver a fantastic client experience and then, and then it just snowballs. 
tell you a, a funny story that uh, it's kind of it makes it circles ar- around. We've got a uh, a lady that called. Uh, I don't know. It's been probably what two and a half years ago. Who was a referral from a house we just finished? She wanted. She just bought a house out on Lake Murray, which is kind of our our sweet spot uh, of building. And she wanted the kitchen remodeled. So went and met with her and looking around and Daniel and I are kind of scoping it out. And she's kind of giving that look like, Brian, you're obviously not even in the conversation. So you want to, I mean, you know, it's kind of, are we boring you? You don't want interested in what? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I said, you know, to be honest with you, I'm just looking at the rest of the house and to be a good steward of your money, this is a terrible decision. I mean, like we can spend 300 grand on this kitchen, but this house is just bad. And she's like, well, what do you recommend we do? And I don't know. You said, you can just tear it down. Let's start over. She's like, uh, you're crazy. Yes, you're crazy. Uh, my husband will never go for that. So this was a good meeting. So we left. I uh, didn't hear from her for months. And I got this phone call and she said, you know what? We met with a few other builders. Uh, all of them in niche, uh, all of them ended up coming to the same uh, point that you did. You just did it quicker and you let me know. So I'm going to give you first shot. So what do we do? And I said, well, I mean, if we're going to tear it down, first thing we need to do is design it. And we went through some fun iterations of designing it. And, you know, first she's like, you know, 23 or 2,500 square feet kind of living is what we needed. We ended up drawing them and finished designing about a 7,000 square foot house. And they ended up signing up for it. So the, the, the joke on the street was, you know, only Brian can walk into somebody's kitchen, turn down a $300,000 kitchen renovation and walk out, you know, tearing down and building back a 7,000 7, square foot house. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun, but we loved it. It was the right thing to do. And the client is over the moon happy about it, sir. Well, at the core of it is the principle, right? That, you know, being a good steward of your client's investment, that even if it meant that you're walking away from that job lead by putting the client in, at least giving your professional opinion and say, yeah, we could do this $300,000 remodel, you know, we could probably make good money based on our, you know, doing the kitchen because it's, you know, a good product we're putting in. But at the end of the day, you're not providing value to the client. Yeah, and you're not ultimately going to be happy. Um, you're not going to get what you ultimately want. And, you know, we, I mean, we, we even kind of broke it down. We said, you know, you put this money into this house, it's not worth what you've got in. You could tear it down. We could build you a new house and it'll be worth well more than you put in it. So just from a value standpoint, um, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I've seen that become very successful from our side when people have called and I'm like, hey, there's someone that's a better fit. You're you're definitely gonna win over some uh some fans that'll be fans of, you know, Clifton Threadgill for for a long time. How how does end of year look like? I don't think I've ever asked anyone this, you know, especially on a partnership. And what I mean by that, you're gonna have to, you know, whether it be bonuses or incentives for employees, is this something that both of you sit down? I mean, how do you evaluate current employees and then come to an agreement based on you know, how you close out the year and on performance. Yeah, we've, we do that together. Uh, it's a fun process. few things that we put in place, I guess this is kind of going on year three. We just realized we've got that awkward downtime that happens from, you know, Christmas Eve to the day after new year. So we let all of our clients, we let all of our vendors and subs and, and our in-house employees know we're going to close down on Christmas Eve and we'll see everybody on January 2nd. Uh, we pay our guys, uh, as they were here and, we just want them to enjoy their families, recharge their batteries, and come back next year. So we'll kind of go through the goals that we've met with everybody. Uh, we'll do some performance appraisals and 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 uh, adjustments as needed with our in-house guys. And then, uh, you know, do some surcees, usually take them out uh, to dinner and, and do some stuff just to kind of show that appreciation. Uh, I, I think that probably one of the things that Daniel and I do, though, is I think if you do that uh, for Christmas only, end of the year only, I think they kind of see through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's what we try to do all year, all year long. We started something recently, you know, a little bit, a little while back. You know, Friday mornings we're all at Crackle Barrel. Whoever wants to come at seven, you know, we'll pick up the tab. Let's just sit there and and uh, have breakfast together and, and chill and, and kind of get together. Uh, try to do lunches with them. Talk about life and what's going on. Because a lot of times we've found with guys, it's like. You know, if their performance is slipping or, or they just seem off, if you just take them to breakfast and what's going on, man, what, how, how are you doing? I mean, how, how's your wife, what's going on with your kids? And, and you, you find out and they're just, they're just a little depressed, you know, there's, and then just getting it off their chest, all of a sudden, you know, their performance improves and it, you know, we don't do that to get more out of them. I mean, but it, it, you know, that's a fantastic benefit of them feeling better and, and being, being happier. So. Um, I think that's a, that's a big key is just kind of like get back to that same point of just, just relationships and treating people like people. 
And I would say for our goals that we've set, we've, we've hit those this year. Uh, our, things are looking really, really good for, for next year already, but we're kind of in that, we're kind of stuck at that next level where we are. Uh, you know, one of the things and I, we, we don't have a, a, a ton of time left, but that's probably where we're starting to wanting to reach out and to ask the questions of, of what's next, right? I mean, how do you, how do you get to that next level? You know, as you can, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, social media has not been high on our list and, you know, the website <laughs> hasn't either because we've just been getting after it. When you got referrals, you don't need to, but we realized that, you know, we can always sustain that. So, so it needs to be a priority, just like Builder Trend was. We're going to have to stop and say, guys, we're going to have to, uh, to make this a priority. And if, if we're willing to take on more clients and, you know, offering uh, that next level of uh, of hires and some of that kind of stuff. So, probably just from from your standpoint, when you look back when you got started and things were going, uh, when things were growing, what was probably the most some of the most beneficial things for you to kind of get it to the to the next level? Yeah, that's a really good question, Brian. I mean, I I think there's a lot of different methods to take, but something that took me a little bit too long to understand was really, you know, we relationships, you hire the right people, you got the right people on the bus, that's great. But I don't think I spent as much time understanding that are the people in the right seat on the bus, right? You had the right people on the bus and then the right seat. And, you know, from that organizational perspective to really understand how that baton's handed between the organization and who takes, who has what role and how's that defined and, and having clearly defined roles for their position is really important. And then more importantly, understanding are they in a position that best suits their skill set and to build the organization that we wanted there were just some gaps right there was some um you know you think of like a really good pm that's going to be out there driving scheduling like who's doing the scheduling even those supers all do their should understand how to build a schedule they're incredibly complicated these builds and they're busy right and so how do you, every part of the organization so i think from my aspect is just understanding really that process and system internally to really understand my business. And when that first call is made, okay, Brad, we want to hire AFT to build our house to when they move in, you know, and they're serviced after the move in, what does that look like? And mapping that out is, you know, something we spent a lot of time that I feel I, I probably should have done much earlier in my career. Yeah, that's a good word. And, and those are some of the little things that we're, we're even thinking through now. I mean, you know, it, it's been fun talking about all the successes, but we've had a lot of, you know, some stumping our toes along the way too. And I think those are the things that those uh-oh moments where either a, a client's called out something that they're not happy with or, or run into a problem with a sub that we've just kind of stopped and said, let's just not sweep this under the rug. Like, how, how did this happen? Uh, why did it happen? And how do we prevent this from happening again? So let's stop and, and fix it now. And, and there's probably, when I just said that, I'm sure there's some flashbacks <laughs> coming to Daniel's mind that for the sake of the podcast and in case those clients listen, we're not going to call out, but uh, I'm forever grateful for those things, right? I mean, they were embarrassing. It was egg on their face. Um, but if, you know, if I had to go back and thank the clients, I'm thankful that they happened because we're better because they did. Yeah. I mean, for, for a client to, to point something out and you're like, how did I not see that? You know, or how did that even happen? You know, why, why is there not a process in place to prevent that from happening? You, you, you quickly put that into place because you're, we don't want to want that happen again. So all of our clients, that. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, because based on the podcast and the recommendation from Bill, I'm like, I don't think these guys have any issues or have any problems. <laughs> we just try to learn from them. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't proceed. I don't remember having anything specific on Bill's, at least that he knew about. We were able to <laughs> get him squared away uh, before he was able to, uh, to zero in on them. So, and, and that's, you know, one thing I, I think we, we, mentioned it to you i mean even like the the coalition that's happening in may i mean that's something that daniel and i've have been talking about too like you know when's the right time is it a, is it a good fit because i think that's that whole camaraderie and, and learning that is just invaluable of uh from guys who have already done it and guys that are willing to say you know what i uh, I'm, I'm willing to do what i do with excellence but i'm also willing to give this information to the to the people that are in the same industry as me so that we can always be successful and you know you know, the tide rising and bringing everybody up together. So that, that's been kind of intriguing as well. Well, I, I think along that point, make a good point. I mean, Brian, I, you know, some of us, yes, you may be in a build of 20. It's kind of a elite group. I mean, you're getting someone's mentorship in a way. You know, the, the reason we started the summit was because there's a lot of builders don't, don't have build of 20 or maybe their company's not in a position. They're young companies that you're still building up. So one of it, one angle is not just 
the content, the contracts, the documents, all the stuff to run your business and, you know, cash flow and all scheduling and client expectations, everything we deal with. But what we found more importantly is that those that go become best friends with each other, right? And I know even from guys that attended our first one in Nashville many years ago, they still talk all the time offline, like every couple of weeks, a few of them mentor and speak to each other and share, and they're in different states, right? And we've seen the friendships built and we just had one in Austin and there was a few builders from Dallas and I was just in Dallas with them, um, with them Zertile and with Michael Weaver put that together, but they're all friends and they still talk and they're in competing markets. And the thing is, there's just, there's so much value to, I get so much on this podcast, you know, speaking with you, Brian, Daniel, that, you know, little things you'll say that we'll pick up on and I've, there, there's just so much overlap and without having someone to call and that cell phone number, you just don't know to ask. And then that way in the future, when you have this question come up, oh, I got a contact I'm going to ask right away. I'm trying to do a partnership. Oh, I'm calling Brian and Daniel because they can help me through it. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good word. So uh, what do you guys do for fun? Uh, <laughs> we're in two different stages of life, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a recent empty nester and I've got like you, six kids, uh, <laughs> from, from 20 to one. Wow. That's bigger than my spread. By <laughs> the time. And, and so, yeah, my, my oldest just got married and, and wow. And so, um, but I, I like, um, I play golf, uh, a good bit and, uh, I like to hunt and um and then just spend time with the family it's incredible yeah yeah and my, my wife and i we we're high school sweethearts went to went to uh college together and got out we've got uh one my my youngest my son's at clemson now and my my daughter's a junior at, at anderson both doing really well and excited so my wife and i are just it's it's been fun we're learning how to uh just to be us again and and having having date nights all the time and i, I tell daniel it doesn't matter how bad our day is i always almost feel guilty at the other day because i'm going home and kelly and i are trying to figure out what's for dinner and daniel's <laughs> going home to, to a house full of screaming kids <laughs> it's just always like man i don't even want to feel guilty feel guilty <laughs> yeah it's funny we're, we're, we're basically the same age and it way different stages of life uh on the family front so it's <laughs> Well, we just got to work a little bit. Hopefully, football will turn around Clemson, right? Hopefully, next year is the year. Yeah, next year is the year. Yeah, Devin's doing some some good things, so hopefully it'll bounce back. But uh, Daniel's a big Alabama guy, so it's been fun here in the office. Over the, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Pretty good run. Uh, <laughs> Alabama's been on a pretty dominant run for quite a while now. So, And they just snuck in again, you know, taking out Georgia. So, yeah, I'm a big football guy. I mean, even though I don't live in the South, I wish it was a little bit more – um, you know, I, I grew up in San Diego living in Phoenix, you know, the fanfare is pretty, uh, fair weather all the time. So it's pretty unique when you get to see kind of the South and how they appreciate football. It's a little bit different than us out West. So yeah, we have to schedule projects around it. It's what rules the data around here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, best advice you guys been given. Best advice. I mean, probably in a lot of it's come out, I guess, in our call today, my, my dad is, uh, has always told me just to, to treat others as you want to be treated. And he's a very successful business guy and just learned a, learned a lot from him. And I think that's probably probably one of the cores of, of everything that I, I do and we do here as a business. Yeah, and for me, it's it's my, my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, who was, um, who was my hero. Uh, when I was, I mean, I was young, 12 or 13, he, you know, sat me down and, and told me that, uh, um, whatever you do, do what you, I mean, do what you say. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. And he, he owned his own business his whole life. And he said, I, I don't care if it costs you money, do what you say. And so that's what, I mean, that's what we try to do. Um, I mean, if it's, if it's the right thing to do and it costs us money, we're going to do it. It's the right thing to do. And so, um, I think if you, if you live like that, you, you don't have anything to, to worry about. Yeah. I love that. And for those listening, how can they find you guys? How could you find us, guys? You can go to our... You'll have to talk to one of our referrals to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us at uh, cliftonthreadgill.com, and, and we're on Facebook, uh, Clifton Threadgill, and, and uh, we're starting on Instagram as well. We yeah. think we've got a few pictures. We've got six pictures <laughs> for a year. 
Let's go. I'm working on that. It's better than my personal Instagram. I've had uh, I've had a personal Instagram for ten years and haven't posted a picture. So <laughs> at, this, at this point, it's like, how awesome does that first picture have to be after this long? You know, it can't be just like, oh, here's my my eggs from breakfast. So I, I don't know what that first picture is going to be if I ever post one. We were talking at lunch. Do we do we start now and like do it, or do we just maybe in May just go to Minneapolis and just let Brad and his crew just tell us how to do it? We do it right from the beginning. <laughs> you could do that, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't hurt to at least start figuring out a little bit. But there's a couple couple modes there, right? It's always good. Yeah. Content's king, so which is always good. But I really appreciate you both. I know that you, you're extremely busy and and sharing some insight just on your growth and partnership and the systems you've had and. Brian Daniel, it's been awesome to kind of get to know you a little bit more this last hour. Been a privilege. Thank you. Appreciate your time. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could give value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address guests that we should have on. And even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support and we'll see you next time.